Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We're going to have to start with multiple trigger warnings here. Uh, we are going to be joined by Rick Wilson, who's coming back on the podcast. So uh, there may be F-bombs. Uh, this may be an explicitly rated podcast. I just want to put that up front for those of you driving around in your car with your nine-year-old. Second trigger warning. Um, look, I, I guess I realized over the last uh, several weeks that uh, Democrats don't like to be told that sometimes they're bad at politics. And one of the reasons I think they're bad at politics is because they never like to be told they're bad at politics. But there's so much going on. So welcome back to the Bulwark Podcast, Rick Wilson. Charlie, thanks for having me back, man. I appreciate it. Okay, so mood. Where are we at here, Rick? You know, I, <laughs> I wrote in one of my in my first book that Democrats were holistically bad at politics. I was thinking about that. And I can't tell you the number of Democrats who've been like, shut up, Bushy. Yeah. I'm yep, like, wait, yeah. wait, wait. I, I'm like a walk-in during the Cold War. I'm like a Soviet, you know, KGB general who walks into your fucking embassy <laughs> during the Cold War and says, hey, I've got a briefcase full of secrets. Yeah. I'm going to tell you where your weak spots are. The response isn't, isn't, fuck you, shut up. Yeah. It's, hey, let's wow. talk. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I say this a lot. Tough love is still love. And, and I've tried to give our Democratic friends some tough love. There are days that I just wake up and think the next time I hear a Democrat say that we're going to win in 2022 on infrastructure and climate, I'm going to take them into a dark alley and beat them to death with a lead pipe because it's the obviously the only fucking solution to get it through their heads that they have to nationalize this election right now. They have to campaign on you know a, a, the, the existential crisis of do you want the crazy and the authoritarian or do you want America? Yeah. It's it's that simple, you know. And, and this and this is the reality check. Look, uh, there was a little bit of hubris earlier in the year where Democrats were talking about this transformational period. They were going to be like FDR, and maybe more people should have raised the red flag and said, "Would you would you kind of look at the scoreboard here? You, you really don't have a working uh, majority in the United States right. Senate. Number two, you have like what three to five vote margin in the House. You just did not win enough elections." And if you are reckless and you screw this up because this is your one job, right? Do not fuck it up. If you do, then you're going to be losing a lot more elections. And the the control of the of the House is not going to be determined by whether, you know, AOC gets, you know, 70 percent or 72 percent. It's going to be determined by the moderates. So pay attention to the moderates as opposed to burning all of your bridges. You know, it was funny because she she AOC at one point tweeted she was talking smack about lincoln project at one point she's like take the l lincoln project you did nothing and i'm thinking her pack has supported like 47 candidates in the last couple of years and like three have won get the fuck out of here uh, i get i get that she's a superstar on the left and i get that they love her and i get that she is a a brilliant social media strategist and brilliant social media character it's great now i got no hate for that okay god bless do your thing but Operational politics in this country, it is the it is the most precious illusion that the, of the Democratic Party that I've I've observed this over thirty years of doing this. They honestly believe in an ideological uh, homogeneity across the whole country, yeah. and they think you know they think that that Eau Claire, Wisconsin, is just full of progressives waiting to hear the right six hundred page climate plan to come roaring out into the and change the ball game. Or that, or that, you know, it, with just the right amount of Green New Deal or, or, or paid daycare or some mojo policy thing, that it's going to change the country, and they, they, they instead, they walk onto the battlefield consistently, and not understand that the Republicans are going to wage a culture war against them, generally successfully, because the whole country is largely center-ish. With a rightward, slightly rightward tilt, it is. I mean, if you're going to aggregate the whole thing, we have 25 miles of coastal liberalism, and and a, and a country that's largely center right in the middle. Now, I, I will say this: the Trumpers and the and the neo and the neo Bannonites and the whatever whatever the fuck those people are now, they also disregard or, or misunderstand the country, thinking that. America's just ready for spiffy uniforms and uh, and white purity and school prayer um it, it, you know thinking that the whole country is 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 basically like ass crack Alabama they are mistaken in that regard as well but 
you know, what do I know? It's 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 a it's enormously frustrating right now to to watch the Democratic Party uh, not understand the Republicans are busy nationalizing this election. So, okay, They're nationalizing so, it on a bunch of different spaces. Yeah, I mean, we could we, we could talk about uh, you know the border. We could talk about crime. We could talk about uh, you know fiscal responsibility, whatever. So let's talk about the the, the moment of brinksmanship here. And, and I, I guess I've and like you, I, I've watched this so many times that I kind of know that you know in the end, no, we're not going to default on our debt. You know, there's going to be a lot of demagoguery and a lot of back and forth, and it's going to be messy and it's going to be embarrassing. Um, but you know, they'll they'll find a way to raise the debt limit. You know, despite the just crass irresponsibility of uh, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. I mean, it's, can I just you know put a m- marker right here? Mitch McConnell saying we're not going to provide any uh, votes to raise the debt, which he knows is irresponsible, but he also knows that he will pay no political price for it. That, that, well, that's they, right. they've internalized this, right? That that they can be as reckless as possible, but. When the Democrats run anything, they know that no matter how bad things get, they won't be blamed for it, really. I mean, they'll be blamed on Twitter and on cable television, but they'll be, you know, and and so Mitch McConnell feels that he has no responsibility whatsoever. That That's the beauty of the modern Republican Party. And this is an analogy that, that not everybody will get, but this is like the summer of 68 for the Republican Party. But in this case, they're the hippies. They're living on a bus somewhere. They have no jobs. They have no responsibilities. They have nobody to, to answer to. They hope mom and dad keep sending money. Um, they're living this free lifestyle. They don't have anything to be responsible for except owning the libs and churning out the next email based on their lightest Fox News hit. That's their world. There's nothing. <laughs> this country yeah. could burn to the goddamn ground, and Mitch McConnell will laugh all the way down. He doesn't care. And, and that's the thing. McConnell himself has never been particularly ideological. McConnell is a guy who believes in the pure exercise of power, sure. and he's very, very good at it. I mean, let's not mistake. Democrats, if you flip the script and put Chuck Schumer where Mitch McConnell is, Mitch McConnell would still have all the power he has right now. He can operate from the minority or the majority and exercise power. The Democrats in the majority they, they they stare at themselves and go, well, you know, we, what we've got to do is pass an infrastructure bill. That'll change the ball game. What the hell, people? Oh, okay, and everybody listening, arguendo, yes, we could use an infrastructure bill. The roads suck. The bridges suck. Blah, 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 blah. Washington, D.C. consultants produce these endless policy loops, and they go and they focus group, and they or they go and they poll or they focus group and say – would you like more uh, a shiny new bridge in 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 you know Orlando, Florida, whatever? And people go, yeah, I'd love that. I love the infrastructure, but that'd be a great idea. And then when they vote, they vote on personality, they vote on sure. culture, they vote on politics, they vote on 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 the fit of the candidate to their lifestyle and their and their ide- ideas about what they want in Washington or Tallahassee or Madison or or wherever, and. And again, there's a disconnect. Yeah. If you don't if you don't nationalize this election early, as the Republicans are trying to do, the Republicans would love this election to be about uh, critical race theory. Sure. The border. Antifa, the border, mm-hmm. Afghanistan and and some lurid crime. anti some yeah. lurid anti right anti crime thing that is a narrow way of of, of trying to say the you know the N word. Never yeah, f- basically yeah. Haitian refu- refugees who are—I um, mean, sorry, Haitian immigrants who are raping your your wife and your daughter on the way to register to vote for Democrats. Well, yeah, and and you know if and, and the the one saving grace of the Haitian refugees in the minds of the Bannonites is is at least they're not going to bring those dreaded taco trucks to our neighborhoods. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was pro- I was promised I like taco trucks. I like I mean, taco trucks. I'm where, a huge fan. Where are the damn taco trucks? Bring me bring me the taco trucks. When they when, when that, if they want to come and send their best, they'll be sending it in a taco truck. I I would be, <laughs> I would be willing to leave my basement occasionally if if I knew there were more taco trucks here. Okay, so you keep saying nationalize. Okay, so what do Republicans do to counter all of that? What 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 is what is the I'm sorry. What do Democrats do? What is, what is their well, nationalization? It's not First going off, to they be, have to hey, st- voting rights, we didn't do that. Police reform, we didn't do that. Right. Right. You they, know? They, they, they have to do a couple of things, I think, in the short term. 
and, and frankly, they're gonna have to rely on a lot of outside groups to burn down the, 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 mm -hmm. the bad guys for them. Hint, hint. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think is going to happen. Subtle. I know. I'm very yeah, subtle. subtle. I'm very subtle. It's Man, like, hmm. it's, just... it's like they're staring at each other going, we don't have a chainsaw. We have to cut down these trees. Do we know what's a chainsaw? Yes. Do we have a chainsaw guy? And you're you're, oh. you're 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 standing you're standing on the curb. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, look. First off, they need to stop falling into the culture war traps. Okay. Um. The D trip, and the DS, and the Senate committee, and the Democratic Party, and every state Democratic chairman needs to tell every candidate, the minute you say the words defund the police, you're out. No more money, no yeah. more nothing. You're done, mm -hmm. you're over, it's done. I mean, when Jim Clyburn says defund the police is the stupidest message he's ever heard, I, I think you yeah. listen to yeah. him. Listen give, to give, him. Give, listen to him. Um, on critical race theory, stop trying to explain critical race theory. Stop trying to academically select critical race theory and flip it back on the Republicans. Because here's what critical race theory really means. It's Republicans asking for permission to go back to where what Lee Atwater said. He, they want to go back to 1958. Lee Atwater said, 1958, you could say NNN over and over again. It didn't hurt you politically. But by 1968, it hurt you. So you had to talk about crime and busing. Republicans are trying to turn that clock back so they can basically use the N-word in politics. They're trying to racialize our politics completely. Okay, can I interrupt you now? Yeah. Because, okay, I, I have these elaborate plans for the podcast sometimes, but every once in a while we got to go with the flow because the point you're making right now, people might be thinking, okay, that's kind of an exaggeration, isn't it? You know, turning back to 1958, I, by the way, would have said 1957, but that's just me. Close enough. Um, well, last night, I mean, for people who think that this is an exaggeration, and 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 I wrote about this in my newsletter today. You know, all the the, the book banning that's being done around the country. Um, I saw that. Any books that that might make white people uncomfortable about race, uh, this is being shut down. And part of this is that Christopher Rufo's you know strategy that anytime anybody sees anything they don't like, call it critical race theory. But your point is, what is the end game here? It it is to provide a permission structure for Republicans, not only not to talk about racial justice, but to say things that I, I'm sorry, it is still breathtaking for me to hear people like Tucker Carlson using what until five minutes ago was a neo-Nazi meme about the great replace, uh, replacement theory. And seriously, you know, before this year, the whole idea that you know, the, you know, black people and brown people are going to replace white people was really confined to white nationalist circles. And now Tucker Carlson is, is not, not, mm -hmm. able, not he's not just dancing around her name. He's using the term. Let me just play a, a, a clip from him. This is Tucker Carlson on Fox News last night. An unrelenting stream of immigration. But why? Well, Joe Biden just said it to change the racial mix of the country. That's the reason, to reduce the political power of people whose ancestors lived here and dramatically increase the proportion of Americans newly arrived from the third world. Third world. And then Biden went further. He said that non-white DNA is the, quote, source of our strength. Imagine saying that. This is the language of eugenics. It's horrifying. But there's a reason Biden said it. In political terms, this policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of yeah. legacy Americans right. with more obedient people from faraway countries. Neo-Nazis say it. They brag about it all the time. But if you dare to say it's happening, they will scream at you with maximum hysteria. And here you have Joe Biden confirming his motive on tape with a smile on his face. Okay, so first of all, he uses <laughs> the phrase Great Replacement. And then he talks about legacy Americans. I mean... Who who are the legacy Americans? Like, you know, I'm, I'm Norwegian if, Americans, right? But I, I mean, uh, look, I, I'm a I'm a fifth generation Floridian, um, and I am a uh, and 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 our people came here in the 1830s and 40s from Germany. Okay, both sides. Now, am I a legacy American? Sure, but if you were um you know, shoved onto a boat in Ghana at the slave castle and brought here, you're right. a goddamn legacy American too. And no kidding. Um, and, 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 in ways that are, that are, that are more burdened than my, than my privileged upbringing. But you know, all I could think of when I listened to Tucker saying that, remember the movie, Oh brother, where art thou? Sure. And there was the one figure, he was like the local clan leader, but he was kind of a dweeby nerdy guy. And he comes in the room, he goes, ah, we got some miscegenating going on in here. <laughs> I mean, that's all I could think of when I was listening to that, because this is, this is the, the natural extension of that. Okay. 
is the superiority of 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 white DNA. And it's not remember they used to kind of disguise it as as Western culture, Western civilization. Um, but what they're really saying now is that politics is genetically determined, that 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 people who are who lack the white Anglo-Saxon or white Catholic upbringing are genetically predisposed to be liberals. And and that any exaggeration of the dangers of quote unquote white replacement um, is 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 countenance on a network that is run by the by the Murdoch family. I mean, and Lachlan is largely running the network now, increasingly running the network. And they're lucky the Fox the, you know news uh, is, is still stock price or, or stock pool wise controlled by the Murdoch family because if the flip side of this happened and someone was advocating for a replacement of white Americans, you know, genetically and talking about this on any other network, they'd be fucking shut down in a hot minute. Their, their board would go, what are you doing? But Tucker Carlson is a, is a force unto his own now inside Fox. You know, he's a future presidential candidate, most likely. Um, and he's going to run on this platform that has, that has not just, not just vague origins in eugenics theory and Nazi race theory, but explicit. I mean, that, 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 that shit he was talking about could have come out of the pages of Der Sturmer in 1936. Well, th- and that's the thing is there's no, there is no subtlety about it. And, and you look around and there's no blowback on the right. There's no Republicans that are saying, hey, you know, this is going too far. You're not hearing anything from the Fox News board. We haven't heard right. anything from, from Paul Ryan. This is how racism becomes normalized, you know? Uh-huh. And, and, and I guess part of, you know, going back to 1957 and, and 1958, things were... Obviously, things were um, complicated back then. That's not the word I, I actually wanted to use there. But mm-hmm. it, it's been this long struggle on the right among Republicans to come to grips with that that racial legacy. I mean, there was a time when the Republicans were the pro-civil rights party. That's right. um, um, you, know, you know, tragically, part of the... The, the rise of the conservative movement was to turn against uh, civil rights. But, the, but there has been this effort, and you, you, know, you, you watched it, where Republicans said, okay, we'd have to come to grips with this. We have to come up with, with you know, our approach to, to racial justice, and, and we need to confront our past. And that was really gathering steam. But right now, we are at a moment where not only are they not engaging in that discussion anymore, they have shut down any discussion of it. I mean, this is part of yep. the point of the book banning, you know, and the attack on, on CRT, which is not about CRT at all. It's like any, any book that, that raises, you know, troublesome uh, thing, you know, a, a, again, um, hurts their, their fragile feelings. So uh, I mean, on the right or on the Republicans, I mean, they have just shut down 40 years of trying to come to grips with this. Remember the 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 idea that the Republican Party is the one that's being canceled and culturally stifled and and told to shut up is is absolutely nothing more than strategic misdirection. The idea that they're being told that they can't think certain thoughts or express certain feelings, you know, Oscar Wilde once called homosexuality the sin that dare not speak its name. Yeah. Well, you know, with Trumpism, their oppression is the is the condition that, that can't shut its fucking mouth. They never, ever stop talking about it. They never, ever stop talking about how oppressed they are. It's their entire brand now. It's the only thing they have. There is no policy infrastructure underneath the Republican Party. When you and I were coming up in this thing, it was about individual liberty and fiscal responsibility and a muscular foreign policy and constitutional adherence and all that. And, you know, when you have a guy like J.D. Vance in Ohio saying the purpose of conservatism is to destroy the enemies of the American oh, nation God. state. What is this? Yeah. It's just like, get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah. Come on. Um, so, you know, but, the, but the, 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 the strength of what they have is that they're entirely liberated from responsibility. They're never going to govern. They're never going to care. They're never going to do anything that, that makes them um, – that makes them like have a moment of introspection going, Hey, maybe we're fucking up the country. Maybe we shouldn't because th- that, that would be anathema. So going back to your point that I interrupted you on, you were saying how the Democrats need to understand the Republicans are nationalizing this election and they need to do it. And part of that is pushing back on the embrace of this kind of racialized politics. Um, 
just talk to me about that a little bit, because, I mean, obviously that's going to undermine Republicans in in among suburban voters. But I wonder whether or not it would further entrench this politics of racial identity, whether Steve Bannon would go, yeah, I want to have a discussion about that. Yeah, that's that's let's let's go. Uh, look, race is the sort of constant undercurrent under uh, the thread inside American politics for a very long time. Um, but they will welcome the opportunity to use all the old, all, to go back to the greatest hits and all the, all the old code word stuff. And, you know, and CRT is just the new version of busing and crime is still, you know, their new version of black people are coming to rape your family and burn your house down and take your money. Um, that, that's a, that's a song they've been playing for a, for right. All, all, very, very all, long time. Although, look, I mean, you know, cr- crime is a legitimate concern. And I think we saw that sure. in, in the New York election where African-Americans were like, screw that, defund the police. I, I want police protecting me. And it's right. It, there, it, there, is know, a, yeah. there is a difference. There is a distinction in the minds of, again, this is that reality bubble that people who live within 25 miles of the coast on both sides of the, of the country frequently mistake. When you live in a gated community somewhere, you're not really worried about crime. You've 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 moved away from it. You've secured yourself from it. Um, but and it's part of this goes to part of the argument about guns. You know, about thirty five percent of the gun owners in Florida are African American, mm-hmm. and they're not committing crimes with them. They're tr- they're trying to keep themselves safe. They're trying to keep. The, I'm sorry, d- Democrats, not African Americans. Yeah, right, right, right. And they and the, that number tends to be more, more, more African American. Uh, we we did an actually we, a few years ago we pulled the Florida voter file and compared it with the uh, the concealed carry permit data, and and like I said, about 35 percent are Democrats. A huge number of African Americans are firearms owners, and it's like the Democrats can't understand what motivated that. It's because yes, they're afraid of the police in a lot of in a lot of areas, you know, having a disproportionate and 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 evil, you know, approach to uh, to, to the way they treat African American folks in the criminal justice system. But it's also because they don't feel like they're safe. And 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 if you say defund the police, you open a space for a Mitch McConnell candidate. To pretend to not be crazy, to pretend to not be evil, that's over. And to say, I just want to keep this. I just want to keep you safe. Yeah, no, that, that's that, everybody. That, that should be a no-brainer. So Joe Biden is getting ripped from both the left and the right. Going back to this question of how you nationalize, because right now on the border, he's being ripped by people who say that he's not being tough enough. He's being ripped by progressives who think he's being too aggressive on the issue of infrastructure. You know, you actually have. They are like on the one inch line of passing that one trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which Mm -hmm. at one time we thought was a lot. And yet you have uh, the real men of political genius like Wisconsin's own Mark Pocan, progressive, went on CNN last night and said there will be 50 Democrats who will vote against the bipartisan bill on Monday um, unless the larger reconciliation bill has been approved. I mean, it's like this is we're seeing this this sort of brinksmanship here. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I I get a lot of blowback saying, no, 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 it's the moderates. We're trying to blow things up. No, you have a win in hand. You have this bill. You pass this bill. You put it on Joe Biden's desk. You know, you at least have the narrative that you got something done. You follow the Mark Pocan. No, we are going to blow ourselves up. I'm going to take this hammer and smash my own head if I don't get three and a half trillion dollars. That just feeds the narrative of a failed presidency and absolutely guarantees that Republicans are going to say, hey, you need to vote for us because, look, everything's falling apart under this guy, right? They will will portray the moment we are in as the existential crisis, the worst moment, the the, the plunge, you know, seconds away from the cliff, et cetera. Um, That's why Democrats need wins. Yeah, they 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 need some wins, but they also need to push back on some of the bullshit too. And, and this is a very harsh way of putting this. Mm-hmm. Americans didn't care for basically twenty years what was happening in Afghanistan, even though we were there. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. And since the death of Bin Laden, they really haven't cared. Um, I suspect Afghanistan will not be the issue for Republicans that they think it is. There's broad public approval of the policy. What Biden needs to look out for are things that produce um, great 
panicky Fox coverage over a long period of time. So the the Haitian crisis on the border, they need to resolve it. It's horrific. It's it, yes, it's it's bad optics. It's bad. It's bad everything. And I hate the word optics. I don't. Try, I try not to use it. But it's a bad picture. Very and it bad. allows it allows, you know, even though they are busily deporting these folks, um, because they're not covered under under the 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 exception, um, it allows Bannon and it allows the Fox complex. It allows Breitbart and all the other idiots in the in the mutant parade of Republican media to go out and and claim, you know, here comes the tidal wave of the brown, the scary brown people. Right. Um this is this and, is this is this is the the caravan handed to 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 them. Sure, and and sure. It, you know, it's actually a caravan. See, you know. I, I, I think this is your your point here is that it's sort of like a holistic thing. So we have Afghanistan itself won't hurt Biden, but if it appears if you get that narrative, that image of chaos, of weakness, of menace, you connect the dots. You know, the Haitian refugees, the Afghan collapse, crime in the cities. This is the way the Republicans are going to, to uh, nationalize it. And Democrats mm-hmm. need to understand that that is a playing field. And simply passing some of these spending bills, which I think are are, are necessary, but they are far from sufficient. It is. Uh, I, I could not agree more. The, that's the that's the key misapprehension is that an infrastructure bill or a spending bill will give them, quote unquote, something to run on. Just as culture wars are where Democrats go to die, policies and policy proposals and policy bills are the, 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 the castles in Spain. They are imaginary in terms of the way they move voters. I promise you, absolutely zero voters will say, man, I changed my mind because of the you know, jobs and opportunity creation provisions of House Bill blah, blah, blah. No one will say that. It will not be, it will not change a single mind. But, it will not but, alter but, how well, voters feel. Well, but on, 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 the, on the other hand, if the economy, um, you know, comes back, if the economy is strong, if they find a way to actually tamp down sure. the, the, the pandemic, um, then, then voters will be more, more likely, won't they, to stay the course? Well, look, I, I happen to believe COVID is the single most important political shaping factor in the coming election. The most important. Okay. And, and, and because it is the wellspring of all the other things that drive the wrong track numbers in the polling. And it is the thing that people feel is the uncontrollable uh, problem. It, they feel like it is the thing that, that for all the good intentions of Biden, that, that we're still having deaths, we're still having infections, you know, we're still having a massive anti-vaccine movement in the country. And it makes people feel uncertain and worried. It makes female voters in particular who tend to be, I'm not, I'm not being mm-hmm. stereotyping here, I'm tend to, speaking from, from actual like research, they tend to be the ones who are the caregivers. They tend to be the ones who have bur- borne the burden of their of their kids being at home for a year, and so this idea that COVID um, was going to be handled and that once we got vaccinated, and maybe it would have happened if we'd gotten to the right level of vaccinations, but instead we had you know the jackass patrol on Fox you know, questioning vaccines. We have a Facebook, which is really the the the, right. the wellspring of the problem of anti-vax. Um, all those things added up to a, a position where here we are and Delta has ripped through the country and, you know, and, and, and we're losing people again and we're having, and winter is coming. Um, so we're going to end up having another season of this crap and it's going to continue to be a sort of ongoing burden. Look, externalities in the economy are, are always an, a factor you can't, you can't really foresee. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, remember George Herbert Walker Bush came out of the Iraq war with 93% approval rate. I do remember. And, and believe me, I was working in the administration mm-hmm. and I and I I watched the precipitous decline as the economy went into an extremely mild recession by current standards. And and the economic panic that happened. And so, you know, you see the 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 election of 2010 was it was not just because the Tea Party was this thing. It was because America felt an economic shock in 2008 and 9 um, and had a response. If Biden has an uptick in the economy, 
which by the way, the economy is not a disaster no. right now. It, it's actually, you know, by all the numbers, if, if the same numbers were here right now, the Trump administration would be putting out triumphant press releases. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if the economy is steady or growing, changes the, the the political playing field quite a lot. Well, also, but on, on on the pandemic, it strikes me as that this is an area where the Democrats can go on the offense that could be a very significant um, liability for, you know, basically point out you know, that people like Ron DeSantis and, and Greg Abbott have really been worse than AWOL on this particular issue. Uh, because I, I sense, you know, yes, I mean, obviously there's some grassroots anger about the mandates, about mask mandates, vaccine mandates, sure. but there's also tremendous anger and a strong national consensus that that this is right now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And the people out there who have been playing games with this ought to be called on this, ought to be called uh, over and over and over on this. I will tell our Democratic friends a dirty little secret. None of the voters who hate mask mandates and vaccination mandates, none of those voters are gettable by you. Mm, they are gone. Right, right. They are already in the Republican camp. They're already deep in the Facebook groups that tell them to shoot up, you know, horse horse dewormer and take hydroxychloroquine or 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 whatever other fanciful, you know, folk remedies their tribe uses to cure a virus um, that will kill them. So, th- you know, th- th- most voters. Um, want to take steps to end COVID. They'll take the inconvenience in the short term for getting rid of a deadly pandemic that has killed 650,000 Americans. Okay. So, and, 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 I, and I do think that that's an, that's, that's an issue that is going to be driving, uh, driving voters. Okay, let, let's take a quick break here, Rick, and, and take a deep breath because I want to, I want to read to you the latest uh, statement from the former president of the United States, in case you have missed it, which I know that you have not. We'll be right oh, back. Oh, goody. We will, <laughs> we will be right back. If you're a fan of this podcast or any of our other podcasts here at The Bulwark, I really think you're going to enjoy our newest edition. It's called The Focus Group, and it's hosted by our own Sarah Longwell. Maybe you've heard Sarah talk about these focus groups that she conducts, but now she's actually sharing real audio from the participants. It's a great show, and I know you're going to love it. Again, it's called The Focus Group with Sarah Longwell, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you consume podcasts. Okay, we are back with Rick Wilson, who joins us again on the podcast. Okay, so so Rick, I, I have to admit, it's day three or day four, whatever. I am still kind of amazed that there hasn't been more publicity and attention to the pro-coup memo that we learned about the other day, the the John Eastman right. um, roadmap for how Mike Pence could actually overturn the election. The, the fact that, that I, I, I believe now that Donald Trump woke up on the morning of January 6th thinking that he was going to be able, he would be reinstated, that he was going to win this election, that we were going to throw out the votes of millions of americans and we now have it they rick they put it in writing how they were going to throw out these electoral votes what they were trying to do and it's day three and it's like i don't know like the 10th biggest story you know below the you know latest missing attractive white woman thing you know one of the (laughs) one of the uh, by the way i I've, i've actually been in the swamp where that guy supposedly has disappeared to he's dead I promise you, yeah. he's either he's either hiding out somewhere else, yeah. or he's like on day four of being Gator Chow. Yeah, I'm, I've been back I'm, in there uh, years I'm, ago. I'm, I'm going for Gator Chow. Yeah, Gator Chow. Um, so uh, as we as we see the January 6th Commission slowly doing its work, and I, look, I and I think everybody else wishes it was happening a lot faster. What you see now is the dreadful reality of America's short political attention span. Yeah. Yeah. Because no one can seem to focus for even five minutes on the fact that the president of the United States, a lawyer wrote a memo describing an illegal and unconstitutional methodology for overturning the 2020 election. Yeah. And the Trump people embraced that. Uh Uh-huh. Trump and furthermore, all in. Furthermore, there is a consciousness in the Trump world. There will be a person or persons, including Donald Trump himself, 
and I believe Meadows, and almost certainly, who both had a hand in the John Eastman coup memo camp, or a foot in the John Eastman coup memo camp, and also with the Stop the Steal people. Sure. I think there is a th- th- that Venn diagram will overlap, and it will show you that this was a conspiracy at the highest levels of government to overturn the 2020 election. Now, will Americans give a shit? The ones who think that January 6th was a tourist visit? Well, maybe not. Um, But uh, the rest of America is still shocked by January 6th. They're still repulsed by it. And it's the real question. Democrats should be – one of the reasons they should be nationalizing this – because it's white Benghazi people. Well, also, it's ongoing. See, this is the thing. It's not like, hey, let's move on because that happened and we need to do other things. No, you know, the the thing that that really strikes me is the fact that they were deadly serious about overturning this election, more so than I think even those of us who were alarmed understood that, that Donald Trump really Uh wanted wanted to uh, have, have Republicans take this line and disenfranchised tens of millions of voters without without waiting for audits, without waiting for any evidence. There were no competing, uh, you know, uh, but, um, slates of, of electors for, for Mike Pence to no. count. They were, they were going to do it. But he was clearly very disappointed that Repu- his fellow Republicans would not go along with it. But he is in the process right now, aggressively, of creating a Republican Party in his own image that would be more than willing to do it the next time. So it's not I, just what happened, it's mm-hmm. what will happen. Right? Charlie, <laughs> I have a phrase that I use a lot. A coup attempt that goes unpunished is a training exercise. Yeah. Well, you're right. And the fact of the matter is, the fact that that degenerate Roger Stone is not in jail right now, and Ali Alexander, and and all the other people that were involved in the Stop the Steal play... And all these scumbags who who were bringing people in on buses. I mean, Charlie Kirk is probably going to have some exposure on this because his organization got a whack of money to bring people in on buses down to D.C. as the shock fought, as the as the as the cannon fodder, as the mm-hmm. shock troops of this thing. Um, I still believe that the, the the criminal conspiracy to overthrow the United States government is something we ought to respond to. Call me crazy. Call call me call me too stern. But I'm a big believer in, um, in in treating people who want to overthrow your government um, with a certain degree of severity. And we haven't done that yet. Yeah. And the fact is, uh, the, 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 the Trump folks are counting on their media ecosystem, preventing their voters from ever thinking it through. And, they, they, and they're right. Okay, let's be real. Right. They're not going to get out of the Fox bubble. They're not going to get out of the Facebook groups that tell them that, that – January 6th was secretly Antifa. They believe that shit. It's sure. it's done. It's over. We're not going to win that battle with those people. Um, and and I think it's important that the, the January 6th commission press forward as hard as they can See, I, I, and to show as many of the connections as they can. I actually think that it's worse than the scenario you just laid out about the people who believe that it's an Antifa thing. I, I, I think that you have a large number of Republicans who know that it was them, that it was their guys who attacked sure. the Capitol and did all that and and have convinced themselves that it was a good thing. It was, in fact, yes, we did it. And it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. We were the patriots. We should have done this. We should have been stronger. And that message is coming out unambiguously from Donald Trump. This is the other thing. It's like, you know, we talk about t- short attention spans. You know, we have the president of the United States issuing statements, making it very clear that he is endorsing this attack, that he is yep. that he is uh, in solidarity with the people who attacked and beat police officers. We mm-hmm. now have the memo of how he wanted to unconstitutionally overturn the election. And, and again, it's like, what are we just too exhausted? We just moved on. I just, I mean, I know there's a lot of other stuff going on, but I mean, it's just, people, it's right there. (laughs) It is right there. It is as obvious as you'll ever see anything in, in, in this world. And unfortunately, I believe the Democrats lack the political bottom to really want to do what they should do. They should be investigating their, the members the Republican members who were involved in this, and not just like get their phone records. They should be targets of this investigation because honestly, there are many of them that I have a very strong suspicion 
were were active participants. Oh, yeah. And if we find that out, we ought to be in a position as a country where we're not putting up with it. Those people should be expelled from the house, frankly. Those people should be should face face you know a, as much sanction as can be brought against anyone else. If if these people were Muslim terrorists who had stormed the Capitol, we would have stacked bodies ten deep already. It was it was very interesting that George W. Bush actually made the link on nine eleven between. Uh-huh. Um, I mean that was oof, and now he's coming out you know solidly in favor of Liz Cheney. Okay, I, I would I would not categorize that as a mistake on the former president's part. No, I no, not a, a very, not, not a mistake. Very clear signal. <laughs> okay, so here's my treat for the day. This is the statement from the former president that I that I know that you will you know enjoy. I know, I know you've read it, but it's it, it's worth doing. He issues a statement after this book comes out. The Woodward Costa book comes comes out that says that 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 Mike Lee and Lindsey Graham had looked at his claims of fraud and basically decided they were bullshit, um, right. and there was there was nothing to. So this is the former president of the United States. I almost feel like we should have like theme music behind this or something, but not. Okay, I spent virtually no time with Senators Mike Lee of Utah or Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. <laughs> mm. Welcome to the bottom of the bus, Lindsay. Uh, talking about the 2020 presidential election scam, or as it is viewed by many, the, quote, crime of the century, unquote. Lindsay and Mike should be ashamed of themselves. So, I mean, come for the insanity. Um, stay for the stay bashing of abject Lindsay. humiliation. Abject. His, yes. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have another? Lindsay and Mike should be ashamed of themselves for not putting up the fight necessary to win which, of course, was laid out in the Eastman thing, how you use your power to overturn an election. Look mm-hmm. at the facts that are coming out in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and other states. There are no facts coming out. If this were Schumer and the Democrats, with the evidence we have of election fraud, especially newly revealed evidence, of which there's none, they would have never voted to approve Biden as president. And had they not, all of the mistakes that were made over the last month which are destroying our country, capitalized, would not have happened. Mike Lee, Lindsey Graham, and all the other Republicans who were unwilling to fight for the presidency of the United States, which would have included at least an additional four Republican senators, two in Georgia, one in Michigan, one in Arizona, what the fuck, are letting the Democrats get away with the greatest election hoax in history, dash a total con job, exclamation point. One more paragraph. Then he goes on the rant. We are losing our country, country capitalized, exclamation point. The the Democrats are vicious and fight like hell, and the Republicans do nothing about it. Rhinos fight harder against Republicans than they do against Democrats. They want to be so politically correct, like like following the law and shit like that, even if that means losing our country capitalized, which is happening now. Now, I love this next sentence. The evidence on determinative... And wide-ranging election fraud is staggering. That's kind of a tell, isn't Ooh, it? Ooh, determinative. Yeah. I see a lawyer visited with them before this went out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we kind of know that, you know, the orange guy did not write that sentence. Okay. Um, your, Republican pres- your Republican presidential candidate won in a landslide, oof, but has so little backing from Republican, quote-unquote, leadership. They should be ashamed of themselves. Why don't they have mm. hearings where even if just Republicans had open public sessions, we would all hear the irrefutable facts. Another teller. Remember, the fake news media does not report the truth, exclamation point. So just a reminder that the man who is the former president of the United States is deep in this swamp of insane delusion and memo to Republicans, no matter how much forelock tugging you do, no matter how much ass kissing, no matter how much obsequiousness, it will never be enough. It's almost mm-hmm. Charlie. And, and call me crazy if you've heard this before. <laughs> that everything Trump touches oh, dies. Oh, yeah. Nothing will ever satisfy him. There's no boundary. And they don't get it. They all think. And you and I probably had the, many of the same conversations in 2017, the beginning of 2017. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't worry. We're going to normalize the guy. He's, you know, the, the the office will change him. We've got smart people there. Paul Ryan's in the house. He'll take care of it. Oh, we're going to have this. We're going to bring this guy to heel. We're going to make it work. He's going to be fine. Well, they all failed. 
because they never understood that Trump doesn't respond to any of the cues or motivators of a normal human. He is insane. He is egomaniacal in a way that cannot be described in, in the English language. And he will do anything to retain or gain power. And I have some bad news for all the yeah. all the eager young Republicans, Ron DeSantis and, and Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and all of them who are dreaming of their their super shiny 2024 presidential campaigns get fucked because if Trump is alive, yeah, he will be the nominee, which is really extraordinary because all of those people kept saying, okay, well, it's a binary choice. We have to go along right. with Trump because we want judges because we don't want Hillary and everything. Now they have a chance. They have had chance after chance after chance to uh -huh. move to move on. Get the same judges. Get the same whatever it is that you actually claim to want. And in private, they're all going, "Okay, the guy's crazy. He's nuts and everything." But we can never say that in public. And as a result, he's just going to slide back in there, isn't he? You know, I, I read this book by Franz von Papen. Recently. Oh, I did too. I read right? the same book. I know the yeah. book. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say? Yes. Go ahead. In in the fifties. And von Papen was as responsible as anyone for normalizing Adolf Hitler. Yeah. For for telling the the as Hitler, he was vice chancellor, mm -hmm. but for telling the German political class, listen, we can we can shape this guy, we can get this guy in line, we can make this work. But he had a, there's a line in the book, and he says, you know, even now, if we hadn't had Hitler the German working class might have become communist. <laughs> so I, I don't know about you. I'm no, I'm, I'm no fan of communism or socialism, but I would say better read than 100 million dead. Um, and this is the same mindset about this guy. And none of these people, they, they, they think they're in on a joke in Washington. Yeah. They wink and they nod behind the scenes. They, they mock Trump. Because look, let's be honest. Uh, while the majority in the House of the Republican caucus are pro-Trump, there's still 30 or 40 people that go to Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, sure. and they whisper, you're doing a great job, man. Thank God for you doing this. Uh, but I can't say anything because my primary might be bad. Um, but there are people like Lindsay who will never stop touching the hot stove. They love power and the allure of the raw you know, political exploitation Trump was willing to engage in. It has a deep and and kind of sick hum, appeal in, in human behavioral psychology that the transgressive person is has power because they are unbound. You know, well, all of them right. are going to learn learn a lesson that that power in Trump's hands will always be abused. Yeah, and that is part of the thrill, right? Is is that is that we are you know we are transgressive. We, you know, we we have no we can do anything now in this particular moral or amoral universe. So back to Franz von Papen. I, you just read the book just a little while ago? Yeah, just, yeah. Like, so, it's all, so it's all fresh for it's, you. It's, it's, make, yeah, it's making the rounds right now. Okay, so I read it a couple of years ago, and so you're really touching my erogenous zones here because I, I really did think that, you know, when you know Hitler goes to power and everybody talked themselves, well, don't worry, Franz von Papen, he, he'll control him. He'll be the guy right. in charge and everything. And Franz von Papen looked the other way and enabled... Uh, and enabled and rationalized much of what Hitler was doing. And even after he realized that Hitler was a monster, he kept coming back. And and after a certain point, it was the the, the night of the long knives where they actually murdered mm -hmm. his top aide. You know, he's going, I'm done. I'm done with this. And then they came back and they said, oh, come on, you know, don't you want to be part of the team? And he got lured back in again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Almost the perfect mm -hmm. example of somebody who – you know, no, knew better, but decided he was going to make this Faustian bargain and rationalized it and kept and, and, and kept, you know, lowering the bar of what was acceptable. So even after the killings, even after like, OK, well, surely after they murder one of your closest friends, you're going to break with him. No, mm -hmm. Franz von Papen stuck there pretty much to the bitter end. If, if, if Lindsey Graham walked into a room and found Donald Trump you know, wearing nothing but a, but a, but a speedo and covered in blood with dead hookers all over the floor, he would still walk out and go, well, I'm sure there was a reason this guy and, and is an, it, Lindsay may be like the apotheosis of this, of yeah. this crap, but they all have to make the same decision. 
do I stand or do I I kneel? And they all kneel. They all kneel. Yeah, and and and, and with Trump, you're either at his throat or his feet, right? I mean, you yep. there, there's there is there is no middle middle ground. See, Lindsay, what would Lindsay say in that particular case? He would probably say, "Okay, I'm 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 done." But then within 24 hours, he would say, well, yeah, but let's talk about Teddy Kennedy. Well, yes, but right. let's talk about, well, right. you know, lots of right. people have murdered hookers. And, you know, and it really, right. the murder I mean, of who hookers among us is, hasn't, who yeah. among us hasn't, yeah. right? And, 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 and you're, yeah. just cha- you're, change, you're changing the subject because the real issue is, and then, you know, in, insert insert something else. But the thing about Lindsey Graham, which is also interesting, is that clearly Donald Trump despises him. For his sick of course that's, he does. That's the secret is he doesn't, he's not grateful for everything he's done for him. He doesn't respect him. He despises him as, as ultimately, I think he despises almost all of his followers and, and has nothing but complete contempt for the people who have, uh, have backed him. That's right. That's right. Donald, Donald Trump is, is a person who, if you bow to him at that moment, if you break for him, you will never have standing with him again. No. Ask Mike Pence. And, and and ask right, ask Mike Pence, ask Paul Ryan, ask anybody. And and he will always view you as one more of his marks, one more of the people that he's able was able to play or con or trick or 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 rip off. So Rick Wilson, I think we've managed to piss off everybody today. I love that. Yeah, that's that's, 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 that's what we do. Uh, you know, you know what, folks, if you're not pissed off at something. Um, you're not thinking it through. <laughs> and, 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 and just a reminder, we didn't promise you a safe space here for any of you. And, and if we triggered you, um, we're kind of like, sorry, not sorry, because that's what sorry, we're Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. sorry. Rick, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Absolutely, Charlie. Thanks so much for having me. We'll have you back again soon. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.